I'm Hemant Mehta. This is Jessica Blumke. And you're listening to the podcast for FriendlyAtheist.com. And we are here today with Dave Silverman, who's the president of American Atheists. Dave, how are you doing? I'm doing fine, Hemant. Thanks for having me on the show. Thanks for being here. So you guys are coming off uh, your big national convention a couple months ago in Utah. What was the? Uh, what did you take away from that conference? Uh, well, I took so much away from that conference. We had a fantastic convention. Um, it, there were about 775 people who actually showed up at our convention. And uh, the nice thing about it was that despite the fact that we were almost completely unable to put up billboards, um, eight of the nine billboard companies refused to do business with us. Uh, we got a tremendous number of locals to come to our event. And that's great. We had a lot of people come to a first time, uh, come to our event. It was the first time to an atheist event. And the thing about Salt Lake City was, uh, there, there's just so much oppression there by the Mormon church. And so many atheists, uh, in Salt Lake City, and they're all closeted, or so many of them are closeted, uh, because of the oppression from the Mormon Church. We actually had some people, and, and this was an interesting thing, we had to start selling uh, day passes, and we sold day passes for the very good reason that there was a, uh, a large number of uh, atheists who were so closeted that they couldn't escape from Friday, from Good Friday or Easter Sunday. They had to lie or, or 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 sneak away on Saturday, and they came to the only day that they could come to that they could come. Uh, so we had a tremendous uh, amount of emotional energy at the convention because there were so many people there who were just so overtly thrilled to be in a room full of atheists. How did you know and they I, were? How did you know well, there were Mormons coming in just for a day? Did they tell you, like, I'm here, I'm sneaking away from my church, you know, for one day? They did. They did. They're, they're fans of mine, and they <laughs> came up to meet me. And, you know, we, we got a lot of emails saying, I can't come for the weekend because of this and this. And we, would, and we ended up, we started replying, don't worry, we're going to have day passes. And then we publicized that we're going to have day passes very loudly. And, yeah, they would come up to me and tell me their story. There was one guy who had told his wife that he was going to work and came to the atheist convention. And uh, another person who was afraid to tell both of his parents, he was living at home with both of his parents, he was an adult, living at home with both of his parents, afraid to come out because if he came out, they would throw him out, he didn't have a job yet, and he didn't have a place to live. And this is the, this is, these are the stories that we were getting, and I was getting stories, uh, Amanda, the rest of my staff was getting stories. Uh, it was just, uh, so positive for us to be able to go in there and represent atheism in a positive light and have a lot of fun with a bunch of atheists who had never had fun or even met other atheists before. Now, these people who came to you for the one day, uh, that sounds great for that one day, but I'm wondering, okay, so when the convention is over and you guys leave town, what are they supposed to do? Were they able to hook up with any local communities? Is there any place for them to you know, uh, ex ex express their atheism in a safe way when they're still there? And, and that's a great question. And one of the way, one of the um, things, one of the criteria that I use to pick a city is whether or not there is a local group there to catch people as they come out of the woodwork, as they come out for the first time. 
and the Salt Lake Valley atheists, the Utah atheists, moved uh, merged together, and they were there in a great big presence. They were right next to our registration table, and um, when these people came out, they came to our event, but when they left, they also had the contact information for the Utah atheists, and now it's up to the Utah atheists to cultivate those people and bring them into the fold on a more permanent level. Uh, but yeah, we wouldn't go in there and just say, hey, we're here, and now we're leaving, because that's not very productive. <laughs> yeah, it's nice for a day, and then you're gone. Um, yeah. What do you say, the, the criticism I often hear of American atheists is that you guys are too aggressive, you guys are too in your face. How do you respond to that sort of criticism? Well, that that's something that I could write a book on. Uh, in fact, <laughs> I am writing a book on that. But... <laughs> The, 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 the typical response that I'd make is that if we, if we are to take for granted as true, if we were out to accept uh, the Hitchens comment that religion is a poison, if we are to look at a person and say, okay, this person has been poisoned by religion, uh, we have to take that seriously. And when you go up to somebody, I, I tell this story every once in a while, when you go up to somebody and you say, hey, you know what? I respect your religious beliefs. As an atheist, what that does is that cements their religious beliefs for them. It cements the poison in their mind. Even the atheists respect my man in the sky. Yes, it's easier for us to do that. But the ease is on us, folks. It's easy for us to be nice and to say, yes, you're okay, I'm okay with your with your religion. I respect your religious beliefs. I'm, I'm, I'm ethically uh, okay with all the restrictions, that, uh, that with all the things that you do for your religion. It's easier for us, but it is worse for them. It is worse for the theists to hear that. They might enjoy hearing it more, but it's worse for them. The better thing to do, the more ethical thing to do, and I will say the more humanistic thing to do, is to take the more difficult road for the benefit of the people who are listening and say, hey, you know what? No, I don't respect your religious beliefs. You believe in a man in the sky. It's silly, and you should really drop it. And you know what? Uh, I don't think it's cool what you do with your women. I don't think it's cool how you treat your, your, the, the, you know, half, of, half, half of your population. I don't think it's okay how you treat your children. I don't think it's fine that you indoctrinate your children from birth. Um, if we say that, we're being honest and they're hearing it. They're hearing criticism. And that's a chip away at that pedestal on which religion sits in their mind. Yes, I could say, oh, sure, Mr. Muslim, I think it's great that you send your kid to a madrasa and, and have them memorize the Quran. Sure, it's culture. It's great. No, it's not. It's brainwashing. And if we say it's brainwashing, they'll think about it. They might say, oh, you know, that atheist, he was so rude to me, he was so mean to me, he didn't tell me what I wanted to hear. Well, that's fine. It's harder to do that. You make fewer friends when you do it this way. But you do more good. So how do you, you should do it. How do you do that without crossing the line? I mean, at some point, it's not going to be effective if mm -hmm. their response to this is, well, you're a jerk, you're rude, I'm not going to listen to you, and I don't take you seriously, you know, your criticism that you have toward me. I would think you got to find a way to do it so that they're going to take that criticism and let it sink in. 
And so there has to be this fine line between, okay, I respect you and I take your criticism versus that's hate speech or that's just rude and I don't care what you have to say. Where do you find that line or where do we draw that line? And the, and the, the, the hard thing is that that line is going to change from person to person. And there's definitely a line there that, you know, you don't want to go up to somebody and say, what are you, fucking stupid? You know, that's just not going to do it. You have to sit, make use very deliberate word choices. I do not respect your religious beliefs. I respect you as a person, mm-hmm. and I respect you as, as whatever position you are, but I do not respect your religious beliefs. I do not think it's fine that you do this. I do not think it's good that you do that. Uh, but I didn't say, I think you're stupid, because I don't. We have to internalize that. We have to accept the fact that religion is a poison. It makes good people do bad things, and most importantly for this conversation, it makes smart people believe dumb things. And when you when you're when you're you know uh, when you're talking to someone on an individual level, you have to talk to them and make sure that they understand that you're criticizing the belief. Now, the other part of your question, Hammond, was how the other part of the answer is a lot of people think we do things we don't do. A lot of people think that I go up to people and say, "Hey, your religion's fucking stupid. Stop doing that." I don't do that. You know, I don't, I don't call people stupid. I don't make, tell, call people any names. We don't make fun of people. We don't, um, we don't do anything in an immature fashion. We don't hurl insults at people. We hurl insults where they're needed, and that's at the religions that these people practice. And it's deserving. And it has to be done. Now, if somebody says, hey, you said you didn't respect my religious beliefs. Now I don't like you. Now I'm not going to listen to you. Now I'm closing the door and we're never going to talk again. That could happen. It can also happen if you say, I'm an atheist. And there are many of your listeners out there who will remember a time or two when they have said, I'm an atheist. And the response was exactly the same. You said you're an atheist. You hate my religion. You don't like me. I'm shutting the door. We're done. So if they're going to do that anyway, why not go ahead and criticize their beliefs? Yes, absolutely. It it, it does, because if they're going to throw up that kind of a defense, we might as well land some some nuggets of wisdom in their brain before they do. Yes, your religion is just like everybody else's religion. Your God has absolutely no proof, just like everybody else's God. You know, everybody is equal, and you know what? I think you're all wrong. That's the stuff that burrows in their brains and brings religion down to the level of everybody else. Do you find and that's us. Do you find that when people compare different religions like, you know, say I'm a Christian and I think Christianity makes sense, but I think, you know, Judaism is silly or, you know, the Muslim religion is silly. Do you think drawing those parallels of, you know, for us, for atheists, we find that, everything silly. They're all equally silly. So the way you look at you know, the way you look at Jesus is the way I look at Thor, and I think they're all equally invalid. Is that an effective strategy? Right. Oh, it's a very effective strategy. It's a very effective strategy. It's very firebrand. It takes their it takes their religion and brings it down to the level of mythology, mm-hmm. and it puts them into a situation where they have to defend the the difference. And the flying spaghetti monster is right up there with that. Yeah. Uh, you know, when when you compare something that's obviously made up. They say, well, that's obviously made up. And you respond, well, yours is obviously made up, too. It was taken from previous religions, and you can look up Thor, and you can look up Horus, and you can look up Dionysus, and you can find the proof. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And you, you absolutely, uh, that's, that's a very effective strategy. I always talk about gods as much as I can in the lowercase common noun mm-hmm. ver, uh, verbiage. Lots of people believe in a god that does this or a god that does that. Mainly because it's the god that you were that you grew, that they grew up in. You grew up in the religion that you are, right? Right. Well, you think that's the only way to do it? You, did you actually look at the other gods? No, of course not. Well, there's a whole bunch of other people out there who are indoctrinated just like you into a religion, just like you were, and they think they're right and they think you're wrong for the same illogical reason that you think they're wrong. When I when I look at it from an atheist point of view, you realize you will realize that they're all the same. And they're all nonsense. So now this may be a good time to bring up the fact, isn't your wife religious? Yeah. My so wife how does that work? <laughs> well, and, and, and you'd be surprised. It works extremely well. <laughs> and I have always been honest with my wife. My wife and I uh, have just celebrated our 23rd anniversary. Congratulations. And Thank you. And yeah, so I'm married 23 years to a person who believes in an invisible magic man in the sky. <laughs> and she knows that I that I identify her God with an invisible magic man in the sky. And uh, she and I have had a few discussions. <laughs> I would think. For the most part. <laughs> what? I would think you would have had a few discussions by now. <laughs> yeah, and, 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 you know, one discussion was my wife asking me to convert her, and I said no, because she has to go where she's going to go on her own. Your wife asked but, you to convert her to atheism? Yeah. My wife asked me to try and convert her. And I said no. And why is why did you say no? Because well, my mentality was that I wanted her to get there on her own. And because I was in a situation where we were in a long-term relationship, she was going to be with me for the long haul. Um I wanted her to get where she was and not have any sort of pressure and not have any sort of resentment from me. And quite frankly, the the way to make a, a marriage work, if you have a mixed relationship, is to adopt that kind of mentality. You know, this is your way, this is my way, our ways are different, we don't agree. You go to your services, and I go to my work, and that's what happens on the holidays. Let me play devil's advocate. Side, yeah, go ahead. The other side of that argument is the, the ethical side. If we are to accept, again, that religion is a poison, which it is, uh, it has infected my wife's mind which it has. Uh, it was inflicted on her uh, by a means of brainwashing, which it was. And therefore, I have a certain ethical responsibility to help her out of it. And there's no way around that. Uh, so, there, again, there's that fine line. What I have done and what I've chosen to do with my wife may or may not be the perfect way. Uh, it worked for us. It has worked for us. And I haven't con- converted her, and she hasn't tried to convert me. Um, but there is a part of me that wonders if I shouldn't, if I made the right decision that day, and whether or By not, not I converting have just her, sat her down and, and done the and done the deed. Let me play devil's advocate for a second. If I am a Christian and I'm looking at a at an organization like Focus on the Family when it was run under James Dobson, or I look at I don't know uh, Jerry Falwell back in the day, or whoever Pat Robertson, and I was thinking about those Christian men. If they were married to people, to women who were atheists, I would I would have to second guess how seriously I take those guys because for all the, the messages they are spreading, 
they don't even take it that seriously, I would think, in their own home. So if someone's saying, you know, I want to donate to American Atheists, but, you know, your organization clearly doesn't think religion is a problem because your president is married to someone who is religious. Uh, what do you say to that sort of criticism? Well, religion is a problem on a micro level, but on a macro level, what we're fighting for is atheist equality. And uh, my wife strongly believes in atheist equality. My wife strongly believes in the separation of church and state, uh, and that theocracy is, is where we're headed if we don't fight it. My wife thoroughly believes that we need to fight the encroachment of religion into public value, into public life. She doesn't want anybody espousing anybody's religion with, anybody's, with anybody else's money. Uh, and I would never be married to a woman who wasn't. I would never marry somebody who didn't believe in atheist equality uh, or the separation of church and state. My so while your beliefs may be different... That, and you're... that, frankly, is more important to me than what, than what she thinks about God. So while your beliefs may be different, your values are along the same lines. Yeah. Let me ask yeah. you... And I, would never, and, and, I, and I would agree, I would never marry a, a woman uh, who was anti-separation of church and state. Let me ask you, if you had a chance, let's say you said yes to her proposition there, let's say you, you sat with her and tried to deconvert her mm -hmm. for a period of time, do you think it would actually work? Well, uh, I have argued quite well on occasion, and it might. I mean, I'm pretty good at it. I'm pretty good at pushing out, you know... You have enough practice. Where, where is the logical support for your God? Where is the logical support for this God? Why is this God right and this God is wrong? Isn't this isn't this just a matter of indoctrination? Isn't this just a matter of brainwashing? The problem with my wife is that she understands that her belief is illogical. She believes anyways. And she understands, uh, I think to a pretty good extent, that uh, she is the victim of brainwashing. Uh, it is absolutely true, in my opinion, and I have a lot of pretty strong anger about that. Does frankly. she call it brainwashing? What? Does she call it brainwashing? I call it brainwashing to her. She calls it uh, education. <laughs> okay. And you also have a daughter, though, right? Yeah, I have a 17-year-old daughter. Um, how did you guys is, work uh, out how to raise her? Nearby, and she um, is an atheist. And she's always been an atheist. And just like me, I've been an atheist since I was very young, and she's been an atheist since right about there. The joke in the family is that if you ever met my daughter... She looks very much like my wife, a lot like my wife. But when she opens her mouth, <laughs> she sounds like me. <laughs> now, one of the issues so she, that happens so sometimes... She's an atheist, and so my, she went to a, uh, uh, a secular Jewish school uh, from the Society for Humanistic Judaism, or, or along those lines. And um, she, she never, ever believed. She never, ever thought it was real. And... She, uh, at 11 years old, she said she didn't want to go anymore, and we were just fine not to take her anymore. And that was the end of her religious education. And Hildy, my wife, taught her about the religious side of, the, of Judaism. Uh, God did this and God did that. And Leanne never picked it up at all, never believed it for a second. In fact, um, and I, I want to make something very clear. I would love my daughter if she was Jewish. I would love my daughter if she was religious, and one of the things that I did not do is brainwash my daughter. How can you tell? Well, I gave my daughter a Bible and told her to read it, and I have a whole bunch of books that you would expect the president of American Atheists to have, and I told her to read it all, 
to ask any questions of me or of her mother, and no matter what her decision is, I will love her forever. That's not indoctrination. That sounds good. Um, so, yeah. so it seems that there's been a rise of, say, cultural Judaism or cultural Hinduism. Secular Judaism. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That people are ditching the religious aspect, the God aspect, but they still like the tradition and the culture. Do you think that, you know, obviously none of us can read the future, but do we think that Christianity, say, or, you know, any of the major religions are going to continue on but become more secular and more secular and more rooted in tradition as opposed to an actual religion? No, I'm absolutely sure that's what's going to happen. Uh, you're going to see that happen. You're, you're seeing it happen now. I mean, right now, people who call themselves Christians, it's, there's a, a ton of people who call themselves Christians who don't believe in God. Right. And that number is only going to grow. Uh, what we have to do is educate people as to the fact that that you don't have to pretend to believe in God. You don't have to go through the motions if you don't believe in God. Um, now, whether or not Christianity becomes a secular uh, culture that remains to be seen. I mean, I, I hold the position that the Jewish culture is a farce, and that there is no such thing as Jewish culture. It's Ashkenazic culture, and that Judaism just takes credit for it. So you actually uh, got in a lot of trouble what? because you said you no longer yeah. call yourself a secular Jew, right? Yeah. I, I dropped the secular Jew. I was uh, 46 years old. I'm 47 now. But last year... Um, I totally gave up on the concept of secular Judaism, and I no longer call myself a Jew, mainly because I thought about it real hard for a very long time. And, and I was writing my book, and I sat down to write a defense of secular Judaism, and I failed. I, I, wrote, I wanted to write a defense. I wanted to write, this is why it totally makes sense. And I wrote one side, and then I wrote the other, and the other side kept winning. And I couldn't get around it. It's, it's all crap. It's all bunk. There is no such thing as Jewish culture. There is no such thing as a Jewish ethnicity. What there is is an Ashkenazic culture and an Ashkenazic ethnicity and an Ethiopian ethnicity. And some Jews have those ethnicities and cultures, and some Jews don't. What makes a Jew a Jew is not how he was born. What makes a Jew a Jew is the Torah, the religion. And that's the only thing that binds all Jews together. And they're... they're I mean, you just think about the concept of matrilineal descent. That's such bogus. That that's you, you. You can be half black and you can be half Asian, but you can't. Be, but you can't be half Jewish. If your mother's Jewish, you're Jewish. Hmm. What if you? Then it, it, it's asinine. The more you think about it. Uh, so last year, I went out and I uh, I came out of the closet as an atheist and not a Jew. <laughs> I I did not know that about you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I came out and I, uh, I went to the uh, uh, humanistic Jewish uh, service in Phoenix and I gave a presentation entitled, I'm an atheist and so are you. And I stood out in front of a whole bunch of rather mature uh, people who call themselves Jewish atheists and secular Jews and I told them that none of them were Jews because they don't believe in the Jewish God and that's the only thing that makes them Jewish. And some of them were really angry and some of them were amazed and thrilled and cheerful and clapped and enthusiastic. Do you think that argument will catch on with other quote-unquote secular Jews, that they'll drop the Jewish part? I hope they do. And remember, that doesn't mean they have to drop the culture that they love. Mm -hmm. I'm not asking anybody to stop eating bagels, lox, and cream cheese because I eat that stuff. 
I'm just saying that we admit that that's not Jewish food. It's Ashkenazic food. And Judaism, just like Christianity, just like Islam, just like all the other religions, takes credit where it's not due. It's not Jewish food. It's ethnic food. It's like saying chicken chow mein is Buddhist food. It's not <laughs> Buddhist food. It's Chinese food. There are Buddhists there. It's not Buddhist food. It's Chinese food. Okay? Teriyaki chicken <laughs> is not Shintoistic food. It's Japanese food. It's if there was atheistic chicken. food, what would it be, though? <laughs> what? If there was atheistic food, what would it be? <laughs> Chocolate something. I'll tell Excellent. you that. <laughs> Dave, I got one last question for you. Is it weird to you that your meme, which is hilarious, the, the <laughs> face you made on the O'Reilly factor, is it weird that your meme is making a, you know, what the heck face to Bill O'Reilly when really everyone on his show could be making that face to him at all times? Or should be. <laughs> I, I, I personify, I, I made a global expression there just for a moment. <laughs> and I, I really love that meme. It, it, it's odd, too, because sometimes I can, I can go into a store that sells tchotchkes and they'll have stickers, <laughs> and my face will be one of the stickers that they sell. I would buy all of it's, them. <laughs> just so you could go up to the front counter and say, this is me. Look it, I get them for free, it's my face. <laughs> That's if, right, this is mine, I'm taking this. This is my sticker, this is my face. I'll give you a dollar <laughs> if you turn that into your passport photo. <laughs> Dave, thank you so much for joining us today. We appreciate your time. Again, Dave Silverman is the head of American Atheists. You can learn more about them at atheist.org. And uh, one last time, thank you again. And this is Hemant Mehta. This is Jessica Blumke. And you're listening to the podcast for FriendlyAtheist.com. If you like what you're hearing, uh, feel free to go to Patreon.com slash Hemant, that's he T, and support what we're doing over there. Have a good day.